Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Spark Show of the Spark Show DFS site and podcast. Today, we are going to go over the Masters. Oh, what a wonderful time of year. Let's hop right into it. Augusta National, Augusta, Georgia, very obviously the same course every year, par 72. This year, it is playing just over 7,500 yards and that is because the 11th hole was lengthened by 15 yards, and the 15th hole was lengthened by 20 yards. Um, I guess some of the contour of the fairway was changed a little bit for those holes as well. Um, when you're looking at the previous stats for the Masters, two years ago it was postponed and it was held in November um, the conditions were softer than it would normally play in April, and that is where Dustin Johnson set the course four-day record of a score of 268, which is 20 under, um, designed by Bobby Jones, Ryegrass Fairways, and Bentgrass Greens. The greens are very fast. There's a lot of undulation in the, in the greens and the fairways as well hilly course, um, tree-lined, there's water, and it's most of it's on the back nine. There's pretty much no rough here. There's just the pine straw if you get out into the trees a little bit. Holes that dog leg left is, is the predominant um, dog leg here, dog leg left, which sets up lefties pretty well. You see Phil and Bubba have good records out here. The par threes, three of them are 180 yards or shorter. And then the par fives are the four easiest holes on the course. And then nine of the par fours are 440 yards or longer. So that those long par fours are what make this course pretty difficult. Um, wind and the conditions can make it tough. It looks like it's raining a little bit. Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you're going to have uh, somewhat cooler temperatures. 72 is the high on Thursday, and I think it gets a little colder each Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But there shouldn't be any rain. If there is, there's minimal rain Thursday through Sunday. It looks like it could be fairly windy. Sunday, the, the least windy of the four days, and then Friday you could see... Um, the windiest day, and that would be coming in the afternoon. So it might be interesting to stack if you're doing um, daily fantasy sports. Maybe do Thursday, pick a lot of guys that tee off late Thursday and tee off early Friday because Friday afternoon could play a little bit tougher. So that's something you're going to want to look at. Key stats, birdie or better. Par 4 scoring, par 5 scoring, strokes gain, tee green. That's pretty standard for every course, really. But what's unique about this course, driving distance, strokes gained around the green, and scrambling all play a bigger factor here. Um, stats that mean less, driving accuracy. You can spray it. It's easy to hit these fairways. Strokes gained off the tee. It's still obviously important, just like strokes gained approach obviously important but strokes gain off the tee and a, and a strokes gain approaching the green mean a little bit less here than they do at most courses and then same thing with bogey avoidance means a little bit less here than other courses the field 
We have 91 golfers. J.J. Spawn is the latest addition. He won last week at the Valero Texas Open. And when I say last week, I mean yesterday because today's Monday. Seven golfers are listed at 1,000 to 1 to win. And those are pretty much all either amateurs or just old timers that once you win, you're exempt for life. And they really have no chance of winning. So that's seven guys at 1,000 to 1 or deeper. And then there's another 12 golfers at 200 to 50, 250 to 1 or worse. So there, that's 19 golfers that are pretty long odds in a small field of 91 golfers. Um, so the, realistically, the guys that have a chance to win maybe mid-70s, you know, uh, like 72 golfers to 79 golfers have a chance to winning, even though the field's 91 in total. Tiger Woods, still a game-time decision. Looks like he's going to play at this point, but that's probably one to look at in case if he has some kind of setback. But I think it seems like all systems are go at this point. But earlier he said, I think he was quoted saying he's lost about 20 yards but that was that was months ago, so he's still probably fighting to get some of his strength back and, and endurance. So we'll see if he can make the cut, and if he does, how he'll hold up over the weekend. Um, other than Tiger, we had Harris English drop out. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, who won it last year, withdrew last week, and he withdrew at the Players' Championship as well. He's had he's had a neck issue. Um, I have no idea if you have a neck issue and you're coming into the Masters. I don't know why you wouldn't take the Valero Texas Open off, but he did play in it and then he withdrew after the first round. So, um, very it, maybe he was just trying to get the cobwebs off and see how he would feel. So he's kind of a scary one. Decky's questionable at this point and. I don't know if he's going to make it through the week. Bryson DeChambeau is uh, dealing. He's coming back off of a wrist injury, and he ha- he played at the the match play, the Dell Technologies match play. Didn't look too hot there. He played last week, missed the cut. Didn't look very good there either. So DeChambeau is also um, not 100% this week. Paul Casey at the... The Dell Technologies match play um, played one or two holes and then withdrew. And he has had he's had back problems throughout the years, and that's what he was he was dealing with some back spasms, I guess. So he's another one dealing with injuries. Webb Simpson has had some neck problems, um, but it looks like he should be closer to 100% this week, but it's tough to tell. Abraham Answer withdrew last week right before the tournament, and they didn't say what's wrong with him. So um, I would keep an eye on him. If you're putting him in any lineups or anything, you might want to check Wednesday night just to be safe. Um, Harris English is out. So that's it for for injuries. Um, but like I said earlier, there's a lot of old-timers here. There's a lot of amateurs, um, and you have a small field, uh, smaller than usual, you know, 91 golfers. And then the Masters is obviously going to bring a lot of traffic to daily fantasy sports sites. So small field, you're 
you're going to want to diversify your lineups a little bit. And like I touched on earlier, maybe on a few, if you're doing a bunch of lineups, maybe on a few of them you stack. Well, you might want to check the, the weather later on in this week, but right now it looks like if you tee off late Thursday, tee off early Friday, you're going to have a little bit of an advantage. So maybe stack some guys that are all teeing off Thursday in some of your lineups just in case the wind gets real bad Friday afternoon. Um, then you could you could sneak some lineups in where all six guys make the cut, and that's hard to do um, if the weather gets bad. And you can avoid, you know, probably the bottom 10, 15 guys or so that have really long odds. Because I was looking at it earlier. Um, I'll bring up the stats here. Let's see. Out of the bottom guys that are priced... Uh, 6,200, right after Charles Schwartz, he's priced 6,200 on DraftKings, but right after that, Mike Weir at 6,200 on DraftKings, and he's 7,000 on FanDuel, and everybody priced below that. Um, you have some amateurs down there, a lot of them are older guys, Freddie Couples, um, these guys, so obviously the old guys have played a lot at the Masters in the last five years, but the amateurs haven't played at all. But starting at Mike Weir and below, there's, you know, some made cuts here and there. But Fred Couples was a top 25 finish here. And that was in 2017. But outside of that, none, no finishes in the top 25 from those bottom guys. So you can realistically just chop those guys off and don't even think about playing them. You'll probably be better off for it. Um, and then... Small field ownership is very important, so you're going to want to monitor that. I have an ownership um, calculation thing that I pull off of a site and then put on to my uh, cheat sheet under the, the report card. It shows you all the um, ownership projections, and I might update that if those change, but that's something you might want to monitor looking forward, and then just pivot off of high ownership guys or if you do pick high ownership guys make sure you pick some low ownership guys in those same lineups to make sure that your your lineups are kind of unique and then you know a lot of the times you you have you know you got seven seventy five hundred for your last golfer and then instead of you just want to pick you know the best golfer available so you pick somebody that's 73 74 7500 but sometimes you might want to just throw a guy that's 6800 on there and leave, you know, $700 or maybe $1,000 on the table in your lineups unspent. And that would make sure that uh, you have a better chance of having a unique lineup. So that's another thing to look at. Um, my bet so far, I've only posted one last night, Sunday night, and that was Patrick Cantlay to win it all at 25 to 1 odds. And that was on DraftKings. So I saw that on DraftKings, and then I was going to place the bet last night. And I at my house, I can't bet on DraftKings. because, But at my work, which is like four blocks away, I can bet on DraftKings, which is terrible. So at my house, I can't bet on DraftKings or FanDuel. But I can I can bet on a couple other sites. Every other site I looked at, Cantlay was 20 to 1 odds. In DraftKings, he was 25 to 1 odds. So I was like, shoot, I'm going to wake up, go to work tomorrow, Monday, which is today, 
and then look for Cantlay on DraftKings, and he's going to shoot down to 20 to 1 odds. But this morning, I still got him at 25 to 1. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cantlay moves um, to lower odds than that. But that was the only bet I played so far. When I go through um, stats and all the golfers today go through the field, just kind of spitball my ideas and stuff, I'll probably um, hone in on what kind of bets I want to make, and then I'll update my um, article to to reflect the new bets. But I'll I'll say them all within this podcast. Um, so that's pretty much it for the rundown of the preview and the courses. So now I'm just gonna uh, hop into the field and just start. Um, getting surgical with it and breaking news <clears throat> I guess Freddie Couples uh, was quoted saying that Tiger looked phenomenal in the practice round so it looks like Tiger's probably all systems go unless if something bad happens in the next couple days but that's pretty good sign um, first golfer on the list Scotty Scheffler looked like a monster this year with three wins uh, it looks like being the top price guy on DraftKings, that has bumped his ownership down a little bit because he's at 11% ownership. Um, he's golfed here twice, two top 20s. He was 18th uh, last year and then 19th the year before that. We haven't seen him since the Players' Championship where he finished 55th, but he won the event before that at the Arnold Palmer He's looked pretty freaking good this year, and Vegas loves him um, in terms of his betting odds because I don't have any value there. So uh, I would say I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily going to bet him for anything, but definitely, definitely with his slightly lower ownership, you could put him into some um, daily fantasy sports lineups. At 11% ownership, that's not terrible. Right underneath him, Rom looks like about 19% ownership. Um, Rom, four straight top 10s here. Uh, Finished tied with Scotty Scheffler, 55th at the Players. But before that, looked looked pretty solid. 17th place at the Arnold Palmer. Um, God, it's hard to go against the guy. I would almost say a top 10 bet would be my favorite thing here at plus 115 for him. Maybe top 5 bet, plus 230. Uh, But I don't know if I would pick him to win it. Just because you're not making a whole lot of money there. And I'm not going to pick him in any daily fantasy sports stuff. If his ownership is right about 20%, I'll probably go to a um, Dustin Johnson right below him at 13% ownership is what it's looking like. Obviously, he won it in 2020 when it was in November. He was runner-up in 2019, the year before. 2018, he was 10th place. Uh, Valspar was his most recent tournament. He finished 39th, top 10 at the Players' Championship. So I would probably pivot to Dustin Johnson if I was going to uh, put anybody up here in my DFS lineups. Uh, Also, Vegas loves him just like Scotty Scheffler because I don't really see any value there for him. Uh, 
Over the course of the last year, though, for DJ, it's been a little bit rough. I don't know if he's lost focus, but he's easily been one of the best golfers in the last 10 years on tour. But just the last year, he's only been in 14 events, it looks like. And that doesn't count match play events. My spreadsheets don't track that because it's just a different format. But zero top five finishes in his last 14 events. Um, but 30% of the time, he is in the top 10. So he's probably knocking on the door. Last year, he finished 60th at the Masters. So a little bit of a hiccup there, but that was part of his last year on tour. So um, hopefully he's got a few things figured out since then. Right underneath him, we got Justin Thomas, another very popular play and for very good reason. Uh, his last event was the Valspar, third place finish. Uh, last five years, he hasn't finished worse than 22nd at the Masters. Um, JT, I'm seeing decent value for him to top 10 at plus 330. Um, but with that ownership, I'm probably not going to lean on him here. I don't know if I want to bet him to win it all just because of his price, but he very easily could. Morikawa right underneath him. Um, from guys priced at 10000 or higher on DraftKings, he looks like he's the lowest ownership right now, and that's because his recent tournaments haven't been great. His last two tournaments, 68 at the Valspar, 82nd at the Players. Um, finished... Top 20 last year here, 44th the year before. Those are his only two times playing in the Masters. Um, probably a good tournament play in DFS. I'm seeing value on him, top 5, top 10. Top 5 at 4-1 to one odds. I kind of like that and kind of like a tournament play there for him. Victor Hovland right underneath him, 11% ownership. Last time we saw him was 33rd at the Valspar, but two top 10s in a row. The two prior weeks um, at the Players and the Arnold Palmer. He was second at Arnold Palmer, ninth at the Players. Victor might be another good DFS play here. Just because he was 21st last year at the Masters. He didn't play in November at the Masters the year before, but then the year before that, 2019, when Tiger won it, he was 32nd. So two decent finishes at the Masters, coming off of a decent finish at the Valspar. Um, I think that has people overlooking him. Um, Vegas really isn't overlooking him. He's uh, in the race to Dubai. I've got those stats on this week just because you might have some foreigners in here that are playing in the European Tour a little bit more, so that that stat will give you their ranking in the race to Dubai might give you a, a better ranking on um, how they're golfing this year if you haven't seen them too much. Um, Vic is number one in the race to Dubai right now, um, and he's you know eleven percent ownership might be a good DFS play. Rory right underneath him, thirteen percent ownership. Uh, missed the cut last week at the Valero Texas Open. Thirty third before that at the Players, thirteenth at the Arnold Palmer. He has three top tens here. 
in his last five attempts. 67th last year, though. Um, First-round leader, he is the first guy. Well, I guess John Rahm was the first guy to pop up on my first-round leader value. He's 14-1 to as a first-round leader, so I wouldn't hate that. But the first guy I'm taking right here, and I've been taking him a lot as the first-round leader, and I haven't hit yet, so I'm like over 10 right now, but he's 28 to 1 first round leader, Rory. So I can do it 18 more times before um, it's not worth it anymore. But he's been a monster. Um, let's see, in the last year, let's see, he has played 15 events, and he has been tied for the lead or first round leader. 15% of the time, roughly, which is the best in this field. So Rory, first-round leader, 28-1. to 1. I'm adding that to my card. And it looks like top 5, top 10 is pretty good odds for him, too. He's 4-1 to one and 2-1 to one in those. So I might, maybe, you know, I'll take Rory, first-round leader, and then maybe Rory, top 5 as well. So that might end up on my card. And when you're looking at my, I think I updated this, but when you're looking at the card where it shows the good value odds, it's usually top five or win, top five, top 10, top 20, top 40. But this week on DraftKings, there's no top 40 because it's a smaller field, but you can bet on the top 30. So that's what I changed it to. Um, so next up, Cameron Smith, 9,900 on DraftKings. He looks like he might be the highest-owned guy this week. His last event he played in was the Players, where he won. He's played at the Masters four times, three top tens, a runner-up finish in 2020 when it was held in November. Last year it was a top ten. Um, his distance is what would really kill him here, so... Uh, a chalky Cameron Smith, I'm not going to play. A chalky a chalky golfer whose distance is not good, I am certainly not going to play at the Masters. So even though he has a good track record here, I am probably going to fade Cameron Smith pretty hard this week. That might come back to haunt me, but it, you know I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns here. His best finish in, in strokes gained off the tee, counting this year, in the last six years, his best finish was 119th. This year, he's 110th in driving distance. So he's he's been pretty, the last couple years, pretty right on par with Jordan Spieth, who's right underneath him and strokes gained off the tee. But Jordan Spieth even has a little bit more distance than Cameron Smith. Uh, where Cameron Smith usually, his bread and butter is strokes gained around the green. And that's a, that's a big stat at the Masters, so that's what probably helps him out here. Not as good, um, oh no, he's, yeah, he's been lights out this year, strokes gained around the green as well, and he's usually in the top 20 or right around there in strokes gained around the green. Uh, strokes gained approach this year is what's really taken off for him and why he's done so well. He's eighth in strokes gained approach, and then his putting has been pretty solid. The last two years, he's been top 10, and that's including this year in strokes gained putting. So around the green and putting, he's been lights out. And this year, approaching the green, he's been very good. But I think that strokes gained off the tee is eventually going to bite him. 
But, you know, if he feels comfortable at the Masters, then maybe I'm wrong here. But I think I'm just going to fade Cameron Smith. And then right underneath him, Jordan Spieth. Uh, I feel like he, he he's right around 10 11% ownership from the looks of it. Recent tournaments hasn't been great, but he's actually he's been a little bit better the last year or so. He's he's really started to turn it around, and obviously he's played well at the Masters. He finished third here last year. Um, you know, 11%, I can definitely get on board with DFS stuff. But Vegas is is gonna be on him. He's twenty two to one to win it and thirty to one first round leader. Those would probably be the only things I take for him, um, betting wise. But that that seems to be where the value is at. I don't. He's too inconsistent to put like a top twenty bet on him. Uh, right underneath him, we got Xander. Higher ownership, looks like 17%. He's coming off a 12th place finish at the Valspar, but he missed the cut at the players the week before that. Uh, Third place finish at the Masters last year, 17th when it was held in November of 2020. And then the year before that, he was runner-up. I could use a little bit of Xander probably. DFS is... Ownership is up there, though, so I don't know. Probably just cash play stuff is where I would lean with him. Vegas loves him, so I do, I'm probably not going to bet on him. But he has taken a little bit of a step back over the his finishes over the last six years. About 30% of the time, he's in the top 10. Uh, that's dipped to 22% of the time in the last year. But he's still top 40, 77% of the time. So he's Xander's been he's been good, but it's just that elite level of of closing out on tournaments. He he hasn't been there yet. So I, you know, cash plays, I could see it, but it just betting wise, you know, I'm not huge on Xander this week. I can't lay. Like I said, I'm gonna bet him to win. He missed the cut at the players. We haven't seen him a lot lately. Uh, missed the cut last year at the Masters, but two top 20s the years before that with a ninth place finish in 2019. There is some value here. Um, first round leader, I'm probably not going to take him 25 to 1, but to win it all at 25 to 1, I will be on board with that, which I already am on board. Uh, 12%, 13% ownership. So cash plays, tournaments, pretty solid. Brooks Kepka right below him, 17% ownership, so it's getting up there again. Obviously, he's he was 60th last year at the Masters, but 7th the year before that, 2nd the year before that. He didn't play the year before that, and then 2017, he finished 11th. His last tournament was the Valspar, where he finished 12th. Um, so Brooks is probably going to be a popular play. Vegas loves him. So I don't know if I'm going to touch him here at all. Maybe sprinkle in a tournament or two in DFS, but um, he's just going to be a popular play. And he's one of those guys that's probably going to be messing around with the top 10. So I couldn't fault anybody for betting on him or, or playing him in their lineups. 
Decky right below him looks like 3% ownership. He could actually turn out to be a good tournament play if he's if he's if his ownership stays low and we don't hear anything about his injury flaring up. Cause if you're if you're injured coming into the Masters and you think you're borderline not gonna be able to play, you're just gonna take the Valero Texas Open off. You're not gonna play. So why he would rush back and risk it is very weird if he thought it would it would you know jeopardize his chances of of being healthy for the Masters. So to even play the Valero Texas Open and then to WD from it, it seems more of a precautionary thing. Like he wanted to test out where he was at. And then maybe he said, maybe he said he's not there and he, he might not be there for the Masters. So he withdrew. But maybe he said, you know, I feel pretty good, but I don't want to risk anything. So I'm just going to, you know, a precautionary thing. I'm just going to withdraw from this tournament. So maybe that's what it was. It's like he didn't even feel that bad. But he just didn't want to risk anything, so he he withdrew from the. That's that's my my take on it, anyways. He wants to defend his title, so he didn't want to take any unnecessary risk. So a tournament play at Decky, if he's three percent ownership, might not be a bad idea. Thirty five to one to win it, thirty five to one first round leader. Those would be the only two things I bet on him. Um, but j- just because he's you know, might not be 100%, probably definitely isn't 100% coming into this. I, I don't know if I'd bet on him, but a tournament play, I think that could be a spicy little tournament play pick just because weirder things have happened. Will Zalatoris right underneath him, 17, 16% ownership. Obviously the runner-up last year at the Masters. He's looked very good um, this year as well. So he's a, he's a popular play, um, betting wise. He's right there with Decky, thirty five to one to win it, thirty five to one first round leader. I would lean towards first round leader and not to win it, um, just because he has. You when you look at these top elite level guys, how often they finish in the top five is like right around twenty percent or higher. Will Zalatoris is at 8% in the last year, um, whereas all these other guys are, you know, 15% is Bryson DeChambeau, 13% is Xander, and that's the lowest of these top dogs. Shane Lowry, 9%, but everybody else is like 20% or higher. So Will Zalatoris, I, you know, maybe he, he has that magic here at the Masters and he'll prove me wrong and he'll get another top five. But I just feel like it's it's kind of wishful thinking for people um, to really lean on him this week. So I don't like his ownership being that high. I don't like betting him other than maybe first round leader. Um, but I, I, you know, he does have a style of game that could be very good here, and it's a mindset thing uh, more than anything at the Masters a lot of the time. So maybe he's going to end up being a good play. But I think I'm going to steer away from Willie Z this week, Bryson. Right underneath that, 5% ownership. Obviously, the injury's lingering. I, he, His track record at the Masters isn't even that good to begin with. Uh, last four years here, his best finish is 29th. Um, so I just, I don't really see anything with Bryson here. I, he's probably a major fade. 
but maybe a tournament play if he's five percent ownership. But even then, I I you know it's not my taste. I guess even though I've been bigger on Bryson than most people in the last few years, or you know ever since he came on scene. But I just I I don't think I'm gonna do it this week. Um, Daniel Berger right underneath that. Maybe I'm gonna start going through these a little bit faster. So that's Daniel Berger's nine thousand. That's the last guy in the nine thousand and up range. Um, obviously, he's looked really good lately. Thirteenth place at the Players. Um, his last tournament before that was the Honda Classic. Fourth place finish there. Hasn't looked great at the Masters, uh, but Vegas kind of likes him. If anything. I might go top 20 play for Berger at plus 120. I'd really have to think about that though. Look at his, you know, his stats and stuff. See if he's, he seems to be a good course fit, especially with his stats this year. So maybe a top 20 on Daniel Berger plus 120 might be the best play for him here. But I kind of like him cash lineups. You know, this, this is kind of my cash lineup range when you get in the low 9,000s and the 8,000s where you can just pump in a lot of like solid golfers that are um, just not super sporadic just because you're trying to make cuts with cash plays. I think Daniel Berger would be a good spot for that. Louis O, right underneath him, 8,900. Looked okay lately. Um, his last four times at the Masters, 29th is his worst finish. He has a 12th place finish in 2018, and then that's his best finish in that stretch. Um, Valspar is his last tournament, 62nd, 42nd the week before that at the Players, 30th, uh, three weeks before that at the Honda. Um, he's probably another decent cash play where it's uh, top 20, he's plus 130. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd love that too much. I'd rather go with Burger there. But I could see, I could see Louis O being a good cash play too. 8% ownership. Daniel Berger, 9% ownership. Both those guys are probably good tournament slash cash play hybrids that you can, you can go there. Shane Lowry, 14%. He's... Looking a little higher ownership percentage here at 8,800. His last three tournaments are all uh, inside of the top 20. 12th place at the Valspar. 13th place at the Players' Championship. Second place at the Honda Classic. Last two attempts at the Masters. Both 25th inside the top 25. 21st place last year. Vegas 55 to 1 odds to win it. I think I would lean there. I'm not going to play him in any DFS lineups if he's going to be in the, you know, mid-teens ownership just because he's one of those more sporadic golfers. But he has looked good lately, 42nd in the race to Dubai ranking. Um he's looking good lately though. So that's probably why where I would pivot to is right underneath him, Taylor Gooch is 5% ownership, it looks like. He's golfed pretty well lately. Um, his, his, it's 
where where he falls apart is his off the tee stuff. Like he's a lot like Cameron Smith, where his distance isn't too great, his accuracy isn't too great off the tee, and that's gonna kind of cap his ceiling here. Um, but his iron play has always been good. His around the green stuff is pretty solid. I want to double check that before I just start shooting from the hip. Yeah, well, around the green this year, he's fifth. Um, he's gotten better in the last four years. Each year, he's gotten better around the green. Um, his putting is so-so, but his strokes gained approaching the green. Um, in the last four years, he's been 32nd or better in, his, in approaching the green in three out of four years. So it's really just his off-the-tee stuff that kills him. So he's priced a little higher than you would normally see in a in a you know star-studded event like this. So I think that's why his ownership is a little bit lower. And he's never played at the Masters, so there's another reason why his ownership is low. But he's very good with his irons. Uh, missed the cut at the players, but seventh place before that at the Arnold Palmer. He's a Florida guy. I said this on the last podcast. I think I looked into it and he's a Florida guy but he just tends to golf better at those Florida courses for whatever reason but I feel like you know this is Georgia um his odds to win top five top ten looks like Vegas is kind of on him there because there's not really much value but he's been so steady and good with his irons that I wouldn't hate a top 20 at plus 275 here or first round leader is 70 to 1 and everybody else at the top of this the the price range here is 30 to 1, 40 to 1. You know, right in his range 45 to 1, 55 to 1, but he's 70 to 1 there. So him top top 5 after the first round, I'll probably bet maybe first round leader I'll bet at 70 to 1 and then I'll probably be on him at either top 20 at plus 275 or top 40 plus 120. Because he has just looked pretty good over the last year and a half or so. Very good irons. And I think he's being, he's like, I, I feel like he's kind of the off-brand Cameron Smith right now. And why Cameron Smith is 20% ownership and he might end up being the highest owned guy. And Taylor Gooch is 5% ownership. I think you could pivot to Gooch in this range and and really get some leverage in the DFS lineups. Right underneath him, Sam Burns. 12% ownership, it's looking like. He's looked great. Last event was a win at the Valspar. 26 at the Players the week before that. Ninth at the Arnold Palmer. Has not played in the Masters. Vegas doesn't like him. So DFS seems like people kind of like him. Betting odds-wise, you could probably um, get Sam Burns here for fairly cheap. He's 4-1 to one to top 10 plus 150 to top 20 that's probably where I would go first round leader 45 to 1 maybe but I really like that probably that top 20 value for Sam Burns here right underneath him Tiger Woods 4% ownership um oh boy Vegas loves him and that's you know, obviously the car accident in February of 2021. We haven't seen him since, really, other than um, some practice round stuff. I guess he looks good. 
but I just, he's lost some distance and some strength, some endurance. Uh, his betting numbers aren't going to be good, but his ownership is pretty low. So, you know, what the heck, maybe some tournament plays in DFS. But other than that, I just, I'll be happy if he makes the cut, you know. So I, other than that, I'm just not going to touch him. I'm going to watch him real close, just like the rest of America. But I'm not going to bet on him. I've been going a little too long and a little too in-depth on these top price guys. So now I'm just going to kind of go uh, cruise control here and just kind of speed round these next few guys, you know. We're now at 8,400 and below on DraftKings. There's a lot of guys down here that have finished top 10, top 5 in the Masters in previous years. So I feel like there's a decent amount of value down here for for all for DFS. You know, Corey Connors, Russell Henley, Matthew Fitzpatrick seem like the highest ownership guys down here, and they're in the 7,000s. You know, 7,800, 7,700, 7,600. Corey Connors looks like he might be up there with Cameron Smith for the highest owned guy. Um, two top 10s in a row at the Masters. Looked pretty good lately. 35th last week at the Valero. Or yesterday, I should say. 26th at the Players was his last event before that. Looked good in the in the match play stuff, which isn't on the spreadsheet at all. 11th at the Arnold Palmer, which was right before the players, obviously. So Corey Connors, you know, I like him. Vegas kind of likes him. Maybe first-round leader at 45 to 1 would be the only thing I take, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick a guy that's you know north of 20% owned in DFS stuff. So I'll probably avoid him. But there seems to be a lot of like top 10, top five value. From, from guys down here because you got like Sergio he won it in 2017 he was a first round leader then too and it looks like Vegas is kind of on him but 60 to 1 for first round leader for Sergio is probably one of the only value bets I see for him here he hasn't looked good since his win in the Masters 55th last year was his best finish in his last three attempts at the Masters um, so it's kind of weird that Vegas is on him here but 60 to 1 for first round leader and his ownerships at about four percent it looks like so Sergio's probably a good tournament play Abraham answers right above him at three percent ownership you know Adam Scott Sung JM Joaquin Neiman Tony Finau Terrell Hatton there's good things you can say about all these guys good finishes like T Terrell Hatton's probably looked the best lately but looked the worst at the Masters overall even though he was a top 20 last year so I, you know, I could see a tournament play from him maybe in DFS stuff, um, or but any of those guys I could I could see playing, um, or betting on really. Neiman hasn't looked great at the Masters, but he, you know, he should be able to get a top twenty here in his next couple of years at the Masters. Adam Scott obviously um, top ten here in two thousand seventeen. Sung JM second here in 2020. Tony Finau has finished in the top 10, three out of the last four years here. Uh, top five for him. Ah, man, he's only finished in the top five 4% of the time in his last 19 events. 
So that's not a good sign. That's probably why Vegas doesn't love him in that spot, but he's 10 to 1 to top 5. I don't hate that out of Tony just because of how well he's played at the Masters. So maybe a top 5 bet on Tony's not bad. Um, Let's see. Russell Henley, Matt Fitzpatrick, Corey Connors right below that. Higher ownership. I'm probably not going to go there. Paul Casey dealing with the back spasms, 11% ownership. Um, even though he finished third at the players and he's played well here, I don't know if I'm going to touch him at all. But Vegas doesn't really like him, so maybe like a Paul Casey 9-1 to top 5 isn't a terrible bet. Uh, Webb Simpson, coming off of that neck injury, he hasn't had a top 5 in the last year. But he has been a guy that finishes in the top three or the top ten very frequently over the last, you know, six years or so. It looks like he's been a third of the of his events in the last six years. He's been in the top ten, which is pretty darn good. And then his odds here to top ten are eight to one. But since he's dealing with that that neck injury, I would bet on the extremes. Like I said with Decky earlier, you're not going to bet Decky to top 20 because if he's battling a neck injury and it's you know he's only 75%, top 20, his odds aren't that good. But if, if he's 95% or, you're, you know, or he's, he's just healthier than he appears to be, then maybe that win or that first-round leader is a good bet because you're betting on you know the extremes. You don't want like a tournament play. He's betting on the extremes of a guy. Cash play, you're betting on his consistency. So an injured guy, you don't want to cash play that. You don't want to um, bet top 20 to top 40 or something like that. You'd rather take him in tournament plays or you take him to win or top five. So Webb Simpson, 130 to 1 to win it. To find another guy like that, you got to drop down to like Cameron Young, 130 to win it. He's priced at 7000 Webb Simpson, 7500 and Webb Simpson, in the last four years at the Masters, his worst finish is his 20th place in 2018. Uh, three finishes in a row at the Masters of 12th or better. So I love Webb Simpson to win it at 130 to 1. Top 5, 18 to 1. First round leader, 60 to 1. So I love Webb here, but his last tournament, 48th place at the Valspar, missed the cut at the Players the week before that. So he's looked rocky. He's been dealing with injuries. So that's why his pricing is down here. Um, Vegas doesn't like him for any of these bets. But I think I'm going to be all over Webb Simpson and maybe tournament plays and just betting his extremes like a win. Maybe top five, maybe first round leader. Justin Rose, Vegas doesn't really love him, but he's two top 10 finishes here in the last five years he's only missed the cut at the masters once in the last five years um he's been rocky the last five years but he's just been he's been pretty good at at, at augusta so i kind of like justin rose in tournament plays him and webb their ownership is right around six seven percent he's 80 to one to win it top five 14 to one so i i wouldn't mind taking a top five bet on justin rose 14 to 1, top 10 bet, 60 to 1. First round leader, 60 to 1. I might be on that. Horschel right underneath him. Vegas loves him. He's been golfing great 
lately. He was a WD at the Players, but he finished second at the Arnold Palmer the week before that. So he's been playing some great golf lately. Why did he WD at the Players? I cannot remember. Was it an injury? I haven't heard anything about him dealing with an injury lately or like that he might not be 100% coming into this. But he hasn't looked good at the Masters. 38th place is his best finish in the last four years. So I don't know why Vegas is huge on Billy Horschel. And his ownership's 9%, which is it's a little bit higher than the guys that are priced directly above him and below him. So I'm not really sure about that. Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, former winners here. Ownership looks like about 7%. These guys are priced at 7400 7300 on DraftKings. Um, haven't looked great rec- recently from either one of them, but Patrick Reed did finish 26 at the players. But both guys, uh, Bubba is has looked worse over the last year or two than Patrick Reed. He's actually looked pretty bad over the last year or two. But Bubba, the last four years at the Masters, um, two finishes of 12th or better. Top, He finished 5th in 2018. 26th last year. Vegas loves him. Patrick Reed, 6-1 to to top 10, 14-1 to to top 5. That's probably where I would go with him. And I could probably, with with their ownership being 6-7%, those guys are pretty good um, cash play or tournament play options in DFS. Leishman is 12-13% ownership, so we're getting back up there with ownership. Uh, hasn't looked good his last two events, 71st at the Players, 68th at the Arnold Palmer. I think he was starting to put it together a little bit before that. In his last four finishes at the Masters, three of them were 13th place or better, so I think that's why his ownership's higher, and Vegas seems to be on him. Um, So I might just fade Leishman here if his ownership is a little bit higher. Seamus Power right underneath him, 4% ownership. Kokrak, 3% ownership right below that. And then right below them, you get Sibu Kim, Max Homa, Robert McIntyre, Luke List, Cameron Young, Gary Woodland. All guys that I like, but they all look like their 10% ownership or a little bit higher than that this week. So you can go Kokrak or Seamus Power and get uh, a little bit better value in terms of tournament plays. Um, but underneath, like, I like those guys, but the, it seems I don't know why their ownership is so high in this area. They should be south of 10% for the most part, but they're all at 10% or higher, it looks like. So that might be a range where I just kind of, uh, you know, Gary Woodland's at 6,900 and Siwoo Kim is 7,100. So I might kind of just avoid that price range in DraftKings, even though I, I kind of like. A few of those guys in there. I just don't like their ownership. And Vegas seems to be on Sewell Kim, Max Homa, and Robert McIntyre because I see no value for them across the board. Um, Now we're getting a little bit deeper. And a lot of these guys down here, once you get past Gary Woodland, you got Lee Westwood at 6,900, Molinari. 6,900. Those guys look like 1% ownership, and they've missed the cut bad in their last few events, each of them. And Molinari had that meltdown in 2019 where he finished fifth 
and Tiger ended up winning it, um, but he hasn't looked good since in the Masters. He's starting to look a little bit better, um, but their recent tournaments haven't been good, either one of them. Brian Harmon finished fifth at the Valspar's last event. His ownership looks about 9%, so it's getting back up there. He finished 12th last year at the Masters. So I don't mind Harmon as a, as a cash play down here. Kevin Kisner, similar player to Harmon a little bit, 4% ownership. They're both shorter off the tee. Um, Kevin, Ke- but they both can win tournaments, and they can they can place in big events, even though this place is for longer hitters. Um, you see Brian Harmon with the 12th place last year. Kisner hasn't looked great here. His best finishes in the last five years are 21st and 28th, and that was ni- 2019-2018. He finished 4th at the Players and then 33rd at the Valspar right after that, and that's the last time we've seen Kisner. So I don't mind him for like a little cash play here either. Um, just because they, they, him and Harmon seem like their ceilings are a little bit capped, but their floor is going to be right around probably, you know, 40th to 50th place, but still making the cut. Um, Kevin Na right underneath that, two top 20 finishes in a row. But he withdrew, he missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer. Did he withdraw right before the players, I think? Yeah, I think he was having a kid, and that's why he withdrew there. So maybe Kevin Nas floating under the radar, 6% owned it looks like. And then you get down here, J.J. Spawn won last week. Doesn't look like he's played at the Masters. You got Thomas Peters, who he's probably the last guy on this list. Yeah, after Thomas Peters, Sepp Straka, 6% ownership. Thomas Peters, 8% ownership. But after that, it's all under 5% ownership for the guys priced lower than that. So this is where it gets into uh, the category of guys where just they're not really getting picked. But I can see Thomas Peters finished fourth in 2017 at the Masters, and he's second in the Race to Dubai ranking. So I could see Thomas Peters being a good little uh, tournament play down here. Cam Champ might be my sneaky tournament play here. Missed the cut in his last two events. Hasn't looked good, all that good lately. Hasn't looked good in like two years, really. But his last two, his only two times playing at the Masters, 26th last year and 19th the year before that. He's got great distance, and he has some low rounds at the Masters. So Vegas is kind of on him, so they're on it at least. But his ownership is looks like it's at about 2%. And like understandably so, he hasn't looked great in a while but he's just a guy that that his game might be good for the masters so i like i kind of like cam champ here at least dfs tournament play wise Uh, but he could wildly miss the cut so that's always a little bit of a risky play um let's see guys that stewart sink might be a good Tournament play 300 to 1 to win it. And I said earlier in this podcast that, you know, you can ignore these guys that are this this deep in the odds. Stuart Sink finished 12th at the Masters last year. His last event was the Valspar. He finished 7th. Um, Vegas is kind of on him, but 300 to 1 to win it. I'm not sure he can win it. So I would probably just lean towards him as maybe a tournament play because he's 2 3% ownership. 
just like the rest of these guys down here. Um, Zach Johnson could even be like a weird little cash play here because he finished 13th at the, the Valero Texas Open in his last event. He hasn't looked great at the Masters, but his worst finish in the last five years is 71st place. His best finish is 36th. But it, he just seems like, you know, maybe, ah, Vegas is on him. But, you know, maybe a cash lineup play in DFS because Vegas is on him. So that's probably a good sign. He's, you know, let's say he finishes 35th because he's in coming off of that good finish. He's good confidence there, and he knows he knows this course. He's pretty steady here, I guess. But I wouldn't expect, you know, a top 20 from him, but. He you could that could be a guy where you're paying sixty four hundred and you just need him to make the cut and he'll do it for you. So I could see that. Um, other than that, down low, just a bunch of guys who haven't been looking good lately, and or and haven't looked good at the Masters or just haven't played here. So I don't really trust anybody, you know, down in this sixty five hundred range and lower. So that's pretty much it for DFS stuff and just the betting betting odds. Now I'm just going to touch on more specifically um, Masters results and, and how things have kind of shaken out the last few years. So when, when you're betting live stuff in the middle of the tournament, you kind of have an idea what you're looking for. Usually first-round leaders about um, six seven under Justin Rose was first round leader last year solo first round leader shot 65 in the first round Decky won it at 10 under um there was only 20 guys under par last year but every single guy besides let's see Corey Connors who finished tied for eighth or better all of those guys were nine tied for 13th or better after the first round. And I think as I'm going to, I glanced at this earlier, but the trend at the Masters has pretty much been to finish in the top 10, you probably have to get off to a good start. This isn't a course where you're, you're going to chase on the weekend and shoot, you know, 12 under on the weekend and finish tied for fifth or something it's it's you 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 have to have momentum it's a tough tough course tough atmosphere and and you know winning score obviously dj that one year when it was in november it was 20 under but the winning score typically isn't all that low so it's just a hard course you have to grind you have to get momentum um so uh, Justin Rose, 65, was the first-round leader. 69 was second place, and that was Decky who won it, and he was tied with Brian Harmon. Uh, so it's there's not a lot of, of, of low scores when you go round to round. The year before, Dustin Johnson, 20-under. He won it by five strokes. So, softer course conditions. It played easier, but DJ had the first-round lead. He was tied with Dylan Fratelli and Paul Casey at 7-under after the first round. Um, two guys were one stroke behind, Sung J M, Justin Thomas. Um, and every, <clears throat> every single guy 
uh, besides Rory, who finished tied for fifth or better, was uh, 65, 66, or 67 in the first round. So all those guys that were way up at the at the end of the first round at the top of the leaderboard stayed at the top of the leaderboard and finished. Well, not all the guys that were up there, but the guys that did finish in that top five were you know, within a stroke or two of the first round lead. So that's what I'm talking about when I say you need momentum here to carry you a little bit because it is very hard to come from behind on this course. Rory shot a 75 in the first round, but then he went 66, 67, and 69 to finish the tournament at 11 under, tied for fifth. So that is very hard to do, and you're not going to see a whole lot of that. And you're probably not going to see a guy do that to win. 2019, when Tiger won it, at a 13 under, uh, Tiger started with a 70, which was tied for 11th at the end of the first round. So still up near somewhat the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Dustin Johnson finished tied for second with Brooks. Brooks shot 66 in the first round. DJ shot 68. There was only five guys that shot 68 or better in the first round, so four under or better. Um, and it's a lot of big names, usually a lot of the same names that pop up. You know, Bryson DeChambeau, 66 in the first round with Brooks. Phil shot 67, so he was um, outright third after the first round. DJ Ian Poulter shot 68, so they were tied for fourth after the first round. Then you have John Rahm, uh, Ricky Fowler, Molinari, Jason Day, that all shot, that were tied for 11th or better, that finished up tied for 12th or better at the end of it. So, you know, momentum. A lot of guys start start good early and stay up at the top. Year before 2018, we got Patrick Reed winning it at 18 under. Jordan Spieth was the first round leader that year. Um, shot a 66. He was outright first-round leader, and he ended up finishing um, outright third. Patrick Reed was uh, three; he was tied for fourth after the first round, and ended up winning it. And there was only three guys that shot four under or better in the first round: um, Rory, Henrik Stenson, Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman. Charlie Hoffman, Louis O, Tony Finau, all shot 71 or better in the first round, which would be tied for 16th after the first round, and they all finished tied for 12th or better. 2017, this is the year that Sergio won. He, I think I said earlier he was first round leader that year. He was not, so I apologize for that. He was... Went into the playoff with Justin Rose at 9-under and ended up beating him. Um, Charles Schwartzel was outright third at 6-under, but the first-round leader was 65, Charlie Hoffman. The next closest guy shot a 69, and that was William McGirt. The, the next guy, Lee Westwood, shot 70. So there was three guys that shot 2-under or better that year, and all three of those guys actually fell way off. So this year is a little bit different. Lee Westwood was tied for 18th. 
Charlie Hoffman and William McGirt were tied for 22nd, so they kind of fell off a little bit. But even when you look at Sergio one and Justin Rose um, finished out right second after that playoff loss to Sergio, they both shot 71 the first day. So they were tied for fourth at one under, and Charlie Hoffman somehow shot seven under that year. Um, Kevin Chappell, Russell Henley, tied for 11th, tied for 7th, and they shot 71. Kucher, Peters, Paul Casey, Rory all shot even par 72, and they were all tied for 7th or better. So it is, if you're shooting, like Rory, like I said earlier, shot 75 in that first round and finished tied for 5th. If you're shooting over par the first day, you are probably not inching your way into the top 10. And that's just historically kind of how it goes here. So if you're betting live leaders and you're thinking, oh, this guy's 300 to 1 way down here and he, you know, he could have a really good weekend just making the cut and have a great, no, he's not going to win more than likely. So that's why he's priced there and he should probably be priced even worse. So live leaders, you're probably going to want to bet guys. If got like the Charlie Hoffman year, like we I said earlier, Friday is gonna get pretty windy. Um, so you could see the Charlie Hoffman thing where you know there's only three guys that are five, six, seven under. That's probably what when you want to like hone in on a um, live leader bet. Take a guy early Friday before the weekend and before that wind hits Friday afternoon and that might be a good time to take a live leader but the weather could all change I guess so that's something to look at when you're live betting oh it's 840 national championship Kansas UNC um 9 30 tonight so I'm going to try and wrap this up right now I'm taking Kansas Taking, I already took them uh, double result, so to lead at half and to win. I will probably take Kansas to cover the four points. I think North Carolina, I haven't been great in, in March Madness this year. I think everybody kind of got torched once you get to about the Sweet 16 because there was a lot, a lot of upsets and craziness going on. Gonzaga getting bounced, but I, I so I wouldn't I wouldn't follow my advice here, but I called in the final four Kansas to beat up on Villanova, and I think Kansas is kind of going to do the same thing here to North Carolina. Even though North Carolina had a rocky, you know, middle of the year, but the end of the year they really put it together and they look like a top five program. The last like month and a half or so, especially during the tournament, they knocked off Baylor. They knocked off UCLA. They knocked off Duke. But I think that was their national championship. First-year coach, they just beat their rival in their first-ever time facing each other in the tournament in the Final Four. That kind of feels like it's almost their championship. So I think Kansas rolls here. So I'm probably going to bet Kansas minus four before the tip-off. But UNC, I you know I wouldn't be surprised at all if UNC handles business here. Uh, but that's it. Good luck in the Masters. I, I'm going to update my my um, article online with my new picks that I'm going to probably go through maybe Tuesday morning here 
and finalize those picks that I that I kind of threw out here during this podcast. Um, and the stats are up to date. Everything's up to date there now on on the spreadsheet. So I, I did it prematurely on Sunday just because I wanted to get it out there. But obviously they didn't have all of the player stats in, in on uh, PJs.com's website there. So I updated that today. Everything's up to date. And I might be tweeting some stuff if there's big news going on in the next couple days or some crazy weather stuff going on. And then I'll just post those pics and... That will be it. So good luck this week. Let's win some moolah.